five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The great Paul Weller. The walls come tumbling down. What an interesting pivot that guy made. Right? He's like this angry young man with the jam. Kind of this, uh, you know, I, I really, I, I, lo- I love the jam. I thought they were great. Really underrated. For three records, you had uh, uh, In the City, The Jam. Uh, setting suns like three really great records all in a row they had hits they were smart i can't really think of uh oh uh what else sound effects right four records four records in a row where they were just absolutely killing it and then i think he had i think paul weller had a falling out with the the bass player bruce foxworth and then they went their separate ways and then paul weller comes up with this kind of you know white soul version northern soul version of his uh new musical output uh interesting very interesting kind of reinvention right and sounding good i mean it doesn't sound like some white dude trying to be black right he's like kind of got his own thing and um super hooky song and the style council put out some good records really really good records it was kind of you know i mean elvis costello has kind of a similar kind of career arc like you know he's punchy punky and then he goes off into more of the uh kind of songbook territory I kind of like what what Paul Weller did more than like Paul Weller went more sort of Watt Stacks, Motown, and Elvis Costello went more Burt Bacharach. I kind of like I kind of like the, the Paul Weller direction. You know, I don't know if I've seen any like uh electronica with with Paul Weller, but that would have been like the next iteration, right? Like Madchester. Um, sort of that crossover between uh, the 808s and uh, Britpop. It would have, that would have been a good move for Paul Weller, I think. But I don't know what he did much after the Style Council. But walls come tumbling down. You know, I was going to play The Call, who have a similar song, right? Um, and kind of a much more religious sort of uh kind of biblical tone like the walls of jericho which is what the song is about versus uh 
like the Berlin Wall. And I think ultimately that's what they're singing about. Although I think that song comes out. Does it come out around the time of the Berlin Wall? That's what's behind me here. If you're listening to the podcast, um, this really just iconic picture, right? Where you have the so-called West and and then on the other side, the so-called East. And you have these young guys, these young Germans who have spent their entire life behind this wall. And they're in in military uh, gear and there's nothing stopping now. You know, this, this should have been a much bigger thing in a lot of ways. I, I remember in my life when it happened, I was kind of in a jaded period of my life. I'm like, oh yeah, big fucking deal. It's, it's, pretty, it's probably part of some bigger scheme or plan. But looking back on it, it and there are people who will tell you that, that nothing really changed. Really. It was like the Soviet Union just went into kind of Russia mode. You know, they did their 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 glasnost and their perestroika, and it was really kind of a, a bit of a deke, right? And that they disassembled the things that weren't working and held on to the things that were working and then continue to kind of maintain that power base. And if you look at Putin, he's kind of symbolic of that. He's ex-KGB. Um and uh, comes in after Yeltsin, who is kind of a buffoon, right? Like, who would you compare Yeltsin to? Billy Carter? He's kind of like the Billy Carter of Russian leadership and politics. You can tell he's he's a total drunk and almost, like, set up to fail in a lot of ways. And that's when Putin has his rise to power. So, um, is that true? Did they just maintain their their former state status and kind of conform to what was happening at that time? And I think that was right around the end. It was like the end of Reagan, right? So Saturn and Capricorn moving into Saturn in Aquarius. Um, by the time Saturn's in Aquarius, the wall has fallen and theoretically the East and the West reunite. And, and it's a really powerful time. You know, Carl Jung talked about the Berlin wall as this symbol between, uh, the sort of the bicameral mind you know, that really represented the divide between the left brain and the right brain. And that he wasn't around to see it, but once the wall fell, there was this idea that both sides of the brain would be reunified. And I don't know, is Europe better because of the fall of the wall? I I would say, as I sit here today, the answer to that would be no, they're not better. I mean, they had countries before the fall of the Berlin Wall. They had actual countries, and now they have the European Union. And they couldn't have had the European Union with the wall, right? They had to have all these other, all Germany had to be intact. And, you know, some of the other countries that were on the other side of the wall, like Poland, et cetera, um, you know, 
part of the deal, right? So it's an it's a it's an interesting historical event concept. You know what I found out today, which is I did not know this until today, that the Berlin Wall fell on the 9th of November. And that is the official day of the beginning of the new Russia under the Bolsheviks in 1917. So the whole thing started with 11-9 and ended with 11-9, theoretically, right? Interesting day, 11-9, inverse of 9-11, and this whole idea of liberation. If... Um, if 9-11 is the historical birth of Jesus, uh, then 11-9 would be, would be what? Maybe 11-9 maybe is the resurrection day. Who knows? I mean, I know that we talk about Easter and the first day of Aries, uh, which makes a lot of sense to me. But I think we need to do a little more deep diving on 11-9 because it seems to come up quite a bit. And even when Trump was announced winner of the election in 2016, it was on 11-9. And that was also the beginning of the Purple Revolution when uh, Hillary and Bill came out and they were, they were clad in purple at Hillary's press conference where she, you know, conceded to, to Trump. So 11-9, is a, it's an interesting day. I don't want to have to wait to till uh, the 9th of November to get into that day. Maybe we'll look at it later this week. But look at that! Look at that image. These guys have never seen the West before. Right? They're, all their lives have been about regimen and following the orders of the states, the dictates, the dictate of the states. I've been. I I was uh, in the former East Berlin. This was. I think 2000 and uh, seven, I think 2008 might've been 2008. I liked it. I thought it was cool. It was very bohemian. The counterculture had set up there. I thought they had better restaurants than West Berlin. It was so different. West Berlin was like, you know, just completely European built out. And then East Berlin was like, it's a different world, man. Totally different world. Um, so the walls tumbling down. And they kind of are in some ways, which is why I use this uh, metaphor for the show and the title of the show. So welcome to it. It's 15 Minutes of Flame. I'm Robert Phoenix, and we're going to get into Chataria in a moment here and hang out with the absolute coolest and best uh, chat room, chat group on the internet, as far as I'm concerned. And then there's a lot of, there's a lot of great groups out there, right? Um, uh, so you have the quite frankly world. He's got his own dedicated sort of tribe and, and uh, there's just, you know, You've got the Bears and Owen Benjamin. And we may not be as big, but we have a we have a good spirit. We have a mighty spirit. 
So we're going to get into the wall. We're going to get into some of the, the, the Obama stuff and some Biden stuff. And there's some dominoes that are starting to fall here. And it's always interesting when the dominoes start to fall because that's when the people who are in control of power start to panic. And that's when uh, missteps are made. That's when, you know, the, the sort of the, the good weird begins to emerge. Evil weird uh, takes a journey um, across the, the, uh, the shadow of reality and emerges into good weird. And I think we're going to, we're, I mean, really, if you look at the whole Obama thing, that is some fucking weird, right? That's weird. You, where, 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 where is it on the weird spectrum? Is it evil weird? Ooh, maybe. Is it weird weird? Is it good weird? Is the good weird a synthesis of the evil and the, and the weird weird? Could be. I, I think it's significant. And, and I'll, you know, I talked about this um, astrologically on Sunday night, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of get into it a bit more and, and look at like, just what's happened over the last 72 hours, particularly around Biden, because the walls are tumbling down there. There's, I don't think Biden's going to last the year. My, my, my guess is he's going to have a health crisis. And he's going to step down. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with Harris, because Harris is uh, this weird hybrid, right? She's this weird hybrid between the Obama world and the Gavin Newsom world, the world of California politics and the world of more more of like Soros identity-based politics. Um, and there are some real ties there with Obama and Harris. Like I firmly believe that the whole Juicy Smollett event was orchestrated by Kamala Harris, uh, the Obamas, uh, the AG attorney uh, attorney general of Illinois and uh, what's his name Corey what's his name from New Jersey right we even looked at that on one of the Sunday night shows astrologically and man Jesse Smollett was all over their charts and of course there's uh, you know pictures of Jesse Smollett at uh, the White House with the Obamas, right? So there's like, there's a crossover with Harris. But if the global brain has been compromised and shut down, like what kind of cover does Harris have and how long would she actually be president? You know, could she be president from November till November? Right. I mean, she could do that. She could do it. She could um, name Gavin Newsom as vice president. I, it's completely possible. When, when you go back and look at when 
Gerald Ford named his vice president, he named Rockefeller. Who was Rockefeller? He was the governor of New York. He wasn't in the Senate. He wasn't. He was not part of the Nixon administration. So it would be very easy for her to say, oh, I'm going to nominate Gavin Newsom. And then you have basically a year of Newsom in the White House, maybe a little bit less, because he'd be campaigning. He's already campaigning. Would it make sense for him to be in the White House and then campaign to get his foot in the door? Or would people look at that and say, oh, this, this feels slimy, right? Like it's, but do people really care about perception? When I say people, I'm talking about people like Gavin Newsom. I don't think they care about perception anymore. I think perception um, went out the window a long time ago. Let me just look look at Biden as a president. The perception of Biden when he was running for president was that he was a senile old man that couldn't attract more than maybe 500 people to one of his rallies. And if it wasn't for some miracle that fucking happened in the state of Georgia, you know, where, you know, some dude that was connected to the civil rights movement in a really big way gave him his seal of approval. And then all of a sudden he wins the Georgia primary and doesn't lose a fucking primary from that moment forward. It was all artificial. Was that guy, was it John Lewis? Is that the guy's name? It was John Lewis. Peachy, what are you doing? She's really restless. Her porch mate is gone. I think she's like kind of missing the cat on the other side of the wall. Is that your Berlin wall? Is that front door your Berlin wall? Is that your lover on the other side? Maybe I should have played Heroes. Come over here. Come on. People want to see you. Come on. You were up here earlier. Come on. Well, come on. Everybody can hear you. Let's go. Yeah, they don't care about perception. Perception? What perception? If they cared about perception, they would have had a candidate who wouldn't drool. I mean, they don't give a shit. So would it really matter if Gavin Newsom occupied the White House as a vice president for a couple months? I mean, let's let's think about it. Play it out. Because I don't think Biden's going to last a year. I mean, I think they're, they're already trying to run this impeachment deal on him. Um, Kevin McCarthy is taken to the next level. And in the background is all the Hunter Biden stuff, which we're going to get into today. And there's more. There's more. So. I don't think I don't I, I think that they'll say, look, you just tap out. Just tap out. But Harris, who is this hybrid between California and the Obamas in Illinois, right? Those two major uh quote unquote democratic power bases. If Obama is compromised, and he is compromised, then where does that leave Harris, right? Like, where does that leave Harris? Because I guarantee you there are people that are inside the Democratic Party who do not like her. And, I, you know, she has this uh, kind of bizarre track record ever since she got elected. 
as vice president of, of being this sort of idiotic babbling brook. I don't think she's an idiot. I've I, look, I've seen Harris before when she's you know angry and vindictive, and she's not. She wasn't dumb in some of those moments. You know, she's a she's a Gemini rising, so she's she's not dumb. I've I've always maintained that what you're seeing with her is kind of an act. That that you know between her and Obama, they're 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 putting us on. It's all a stage play for presenting government as being incompetent and uh, demoralizing. I don't think she's dumb. And I feel like even though she is more intelligent than her, uh, her act, she's still not liked. She's not well liked. And, and the democratic party is, is not that into her. And there had been uh, rumors of, of, of real divide inside the Obama white, not the Obama, well, I guess we could Obama, the O'Biden white house. And, um, people on the Harris side just demanding that she become president. And something tells me that there was a deal that was made and a deal that was cut at some point prior to the election. And she knows that, right? So she can be a babbling brook and it doesn't really matter. Again, we're in this realm of perception. They don't really care, but if, but her, her part of her power base is compromised. So it'll be interesting um, to see what happens and if they actually push the button and bring Newsom in. Like, how can Newsom, like, it would be easier for him to step down as governor of California and get on the campaign trail than being maybe vice president. Now, here's here's a thought, not a good one, but let's say it happened. And for whatever reason, uh, she gets moved out. You know, there there is a strange kind of gray area around her being a U.S. citizen. Since she, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she was like an anchor baby. And then, and then grew up in uh, Canada for most of her like young life, right? There's a story of her being bust in San Francisco. Do you remember that? And she got, and I looked into the history of busing yesterday because I want to do a show on busing and how pernicious busing was. So I needed to get some background on busing. And Busing was uh, a byproduct of the Civil Rights Act. And it's really fascinating to kind of see how the demographics of America have changed and how they changed really around World War II. And, and, and God, it's amazing, right? So we have this war and they need people 
to work on the war machine. So where do they get those people from? They get them from the South. And you have this great migration of the American black population moving to cities that are engaged in the wartime effort. Places like Oakland and Berkeley, where they made ships. And Oakland and Berkeley have really pronounced pronounced black population. How did they get there? They got there because of the promise of jobs. And, and actually being a part of this industrialization, which happens at the beginning of World War II and during World War II. Give you another city, Los Angeles. Huge wave of migration from the South to LA. What are they doing? They're doing the same thing. It's a port city. Seattle, same thing. Port city. Detroit. What are they doing in Detroit? They're making fucking tanks. And they needed, they needed people to do these jobs. Especially if there were other people who were going off to war. It's the uh, internet service here. At least I'd like to think so. Um, so you have this rapidly changing demographic. And then after the war happens and people come back and then you have like the Civil Rights Act and, and, and desegregation, which is really a, very much a Southern thing. You, so you have this, this change in population. And when that happens, guess what? You have white flight. And it's the beginning of the migration to the suburbs. And, and, and the, the way that the Supreme Court, and there were two movers and shakers with busing. One was the NAACP. And the other was Thurgood Marshall, because they, they there, there were a number of cases, Brown versus the Topeka Board of Education and other kind of these landmark cases, along with the Civil Rights Act, which basically said, yeah, you have to desegregate schools. So, but it wasn't enough, right? It wasn't enough because they were like, yeah, well, you guys have moved out of these areas. So you're basically practicing a de facto form of segregation. Not really. I mean, if you look at the housing boom of the 1960s and the 70s, it was pronounced, it was marketed. Um, and there was as much uh, suburban planning around it with the automobile industry and the uh, in the petroleum industry as much as like, Hey, let's just, let's just make these enclaves for white flight. No, they wanted people in their fucking cars. They wanted them to buy new cars. They wanted them to spend money on gasoline. So there, there was a lot of planning that went into this. And of course it appealed to certain people. Um, e. Michael Jones talks about this in one of his books and he talks about what happens with the cities and how the neighborhoods just get, atomized and you have like large groups of italians like moving out of new york or large groups of the irish moving out of new york or the large groups of poles moving out of new york and germans and they're, they're like we're done 
and they're taking advantage of this kind of new life where they can theoretically enclave together. But but really what they do is they they wind up denaturing their own culture and their own sort of ethnic ties. So there are some cities um, larger and smaller than others, but places like San Francisco, Wilmington, Delaware, there, there are a bunch of cities that were targeted for busing. And what they did is they redistricted, right? Like, okay, well, we're going to redistrict this area and this area. So these kids will stay here. And it was like the, the courts were like, well, no, you can't do that. You're practicing de facto segregation. And that's when busing comes into play. Like they're going to make sure that, um, that the busing was going to happen. Well, we're, we're going to desegregate. You're resegregating. You're going to desegregate and we're going to make sure. And it was incredibly controversial. And what they, in the, 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 uh, the argument, and this gets into some, something else I wanted to talk about today, which was, which is LeBron James's school. The argument was that if you had a group of inner city students and you bus them to a more suburban area, that the the quality and the and the product of their education would rise because those schools would theoretically have better resources and better teachers and all that stuff was was not the case and they did study after study where they thought that that the that the grade levels would, would you know when i say grade i'm talking about like you know getting getting high grades it didn't rise at all not at all if anything it flatlined at, at best right and the other thing that they found and this is what the opponents of busing we're we're basically on record with which was a high there was a heightened risk of violence and and crime and some of it might have been a byproduct of you know people and their environment but also the the forced tension that people were having to deal with at that time, high force tension. And then again, this is all kind of in retrospect, since we're in a retrograde period of time, um, they realized that what they were doing is they were, they were robbing like the quote unquote inner city kids of like their own cultural traditions and the things that they were proud of about their school. Right. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen like the Florida A&M band or, or um, Florida uh, Atlantic band, their marching band. Like some of these schools have these incredible bands and they're known for it. Right. They're, they're known. For, they're just known for certain things. The drum line, you know, and, and, and if they, they go to like a you know middle class school somewhere in the suburbs, they're not going to get that shit. You know, they're going to, they're going to get, you know, stuff that's tidy whitey and it's, it's just, would they learn something from it? Yeah, sure. Maybe, but, it, but it, it's not culturally intact. So they were actually robbing a lot of these kids of their own culture, right? The things that they were proud of and 
They just dropped them onto an iceberg, you know, in the middle of this fucking social experiment. And apparently Kamala Harris was, was part of the busing, which I find hard to believe, honestly. Yes, San Francisco had it, but I find it really hard to believe. And if she was there, she might have just been a, a little tiny girl. And San Francisco was not one of those areas where, what are they going to bus kids from the Western Edition to Pacific Heights? Yeah, I don't think so. Those kids aren't going to Pacific Heights. And you know what they found out? This is, this again, people don't give a shit about perception. They've, they might have cared more then. They don't care about it now. But the proponents of busing, the ones that were really pushing it from a judicial level, from a social level, from a political, all their kids were in fucking private schools. Right? It's kind of like the same people that um, want to take your guns away. What are they going to do? They're going to have private security. They don't give a shit. So it's just completely hypocritical. And when you when you look at something like busing, it's a predecessor for the replacement society. I mean, literally, that's what they're doing. They're they're busing people from North Africa to Europe, or they're you know, and the the border here is they're busing people from the south and whoever else is coming along for the ride. So once they got the foot in the door with busing, it, I believe it became in, in some ways like a soft global precedent, like we can move people around and that's exactly what they're doing. Moving people around. Um, so we're going to get into the walls tumbling down, but let me, let me get into Chatari, that was a nice open, right? We had, uh, with the exception of the, the glitch, we had a nice open. And so people who are on the podcast side of things, yeah, he got right to it today. Right to it. All right, let's see where you guys are. I may have to come back in, moderate chat. Yes. Let's see. Who do we have here? Uh, there's Tomas. DJMC. What's going on? Miguel. Julie Sunshine, triple three. Hey, guess what today is? Today's the beginning of Cat Month. Hashtag Cat Month. I saw Julie Sunshine. I'm like, yeah, it's Cat Month. That's going on Twitter. Yes, I will be on with Nish. This afternoon for a couple hours. Always, always, always take my time with Nish. Orlando, what's going on, Orlando? Nice to see you over here. Double B, Beth Berry, SP Dimples, joining us, taking a brief respite from her magical mystery tour. Thor at the door, what's going on, Brother Steve? Wendy says, the beautiful one, Sony, the classy one, Cece, the fantastic one, the triple threat, the triple goddess, right there. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Uh, Hucklebuck, Lynn. What's going on, Lynn? AKA. Finca, 
Finca Feliza, Huckabuck 411. Best healing your way. Absolutely. You know, Lynn, one of these days, I hope we meet in person. That'd be a cool thing. One of these days, like maybe I could pick an avocado off your tree. Fast Lives Matter is here. Uh, JFKX. I'm going to have to watch that. I'm trying to get Gary Fannin on my show. Because Gary Fannin is the, the, to me, Gary Fannin is the guy when it comes to JFK. And um, I want, I want to, I want to maybe bring up a few clips from Jay's show so that Gary Fannin can have a look at it. Just saying. Harriet Bowie, what's going on, Harriet? Good to see you. Remo. Remo. Christine. She lives in a dream. Banana split lady. Past lives matter. Kelly B, what's happening? Janet Landers. Oh, man. The world is in pain. Sorry to hear that, Janet. Claire. What's happening, Claire? Who else do we have? Um, you saw Paul Weller at Edinburgh Castle. 99 balloons. Oh, that was Nina. 99 luft balloons. Uh, Hiyoka, what's happening, Marge? Hanging laundries here. Maybe because there's a there's balloons near me. I like that song, 99. Nina was cute, man. What they did to Germany was high crime. I agree completely. And fucking FDR let it happen. A son of a bitch. FDR was a total son of a All these guys, all these presidents have been fucking cocksucking sons of bitches. I'm sorry. Johnson's right in there with them. You know, I think he was a shitty president, but I think his, his intentions were probably okay. Jimmy Carter. I think Jimmy Carter was a halfway decent guy, but a shitty president, really bad. And the CIA kind of fucked him over too. Claire uh, Kelly at the Edinburgh festival. There's a DJ called the hot tub time machine. who drops 99 red balloons. Let's see who else do we have. Uh, 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 it was a huge, it was huge for us. Much of my family behind the iron curtain in the Baltics letters that came from there were turned open, literally censored. I'm glad for you guys should never have happened. You know, Patton just said like, fuck it. Let's take on the Russians right here and now let's go after him. Patton was right. I'm sorry. He was right. And then he was put in charge. He was the governor of Germany after the war and he saw what was going on. And guess what he said? We were fighting the wrong people. Those were the words out of Patton's mouth. Not long after that, he's in a car crash, and then he's paralyzed, and then he's dead. The Lives of Others. I've seen that movie. It's quite good. Heavy. Dark. 
USSR was hip among lefties until it became Russia. Then it was bad. That's a great call, right? It was like, oh, it's so cool. It was so cool. Yeah, it was everything. Everything was, you know, all that, uh, all that Leninist art and everything back in the USSR. Yeah, and once once it flipped, it was like no longer. You're right. It was no longer hip. It was no longer hip. Good call. The EU has absolutely destroyed uh, Europe. I agree with you. Europe didn't realize how deeply they we were all being played. Um, I think some Europeans did, actually. I th I think some Europeans did. When, when I was in France prior to the full-on adoption of the EU, I talked to the, I talked to some of the French who were dead set against it, but they had no say in it, right? They, they knew that their national identity was going to be eradicated, that the coin of their realm was going to be eradicated, right? Whatever you think of the franc, you know, now they're using the fucking euro, and they didn't like it. But nobody gave them a vote. Really? Uh, let's see. Mixed bag, of course. Absolutely. Catherine Kramer, double K, K2. She's here. Leela LMM. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Anybody new? Anybody new? Master number 11, you're the great attractor. Just a thought. We're talking about 11s. 11 is an interesting number for sure. Let's see. Anybody else? Rocky. Looking forward to good weird. I agree. Uh, let's see. I think we're all here. I think we're all here. Yeah, I've got that. I've got that picture, Hucklebuck. I'm going to put it up on the screen for people to see. I'm more concerned about the order followers who are going to enforce permanent climate, the imminent lockdown. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about climate change lockdowns. And who's going to be the order followers? Could they be somehow connected to the 300,000 plus people who migrated and then magically disappeared once they got here? I think that's probably the case. Uh, let's see. Who else? Feeling a larger than normal sense of dread about the state of things the last couple of days. I think we're living we're living in a whiplash universe. I'm convinced that you know when things happen there is a whiplash effect, right? There's this weird boomerang effect. And I think it's connected to this kind of you know this 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 kind of weird energy. Like I think it's all part of the mix. 
And even though Pluto retrograded back into, into Capricorn, it opened a portal in Aquarius, right? It opened like a Rick and Morty portal of the weird. I'm telling you, when when Rick looks like a prophet, that that's that's when you know that we have reached the apex of the weird. We've been waiting for the other shoe to drop since 2008, 2009, 2010. Here we are 13 years later. I mean, seriously, we had eight years of Obama. And I was absolutely and utterly convinced that they were, that's, that's when they were going to drop the hammer. Because every day just seemed to be getting worse and worse. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a special guest, and we're going to talk about um, RFK on Jimmy Dore. I don't know if you guys caught that yesterday, but there are some clips there that we're going to bring up and talk about. And, man, RFK Jr. really let the cat out of the bag. You know, once once he got publicly reprimanded about Israel on Twitter, particularly by his wife and others, he has been just walking the line, towing the line. And, man, Jimmy Dore was incredulous. And you know that Jimmy Dore is kind of pulling for RFK. Like, he wants somebody who's anti-war, which I agree with. I am pro-defense. I am anti-war. He wants that. RFK seems to want that. They're okay. Jimmy wants um, socialized health care for everybody. RFK says we can't do it. That it's there's too many special interests and too many too many levers. They both derided Obamacare, which I give him credit for. So I would say that more or less he was kind of Jimmy's candidate up until the Israel talk. So we're going to get in that tomorrow. Um, let's see. Why campaign? Why campaign when elections are selections? Absolutely. Hanging. I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, let's see who else we have. I've been really getting into the Vietnam war lately. And looking at um, newsreels, film clips, documentary stuff, it's mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. Let's see. Are we all here? I think we're all here. Oh, Bo's here. What's going on, Bo? Good to see you. Um. SJS, Boston was a vault. You know that you were there. It was, man. Like the townies were not having it. The townies were not having it. It was bloody. Absolutely. They had to call out the fucking National Guard in certain cities to enforce busing. What kind of fucking government is that? Yes, I know. I'm back. 
Her dad did call her out. She's pushing the electric bus. Yeah, she'll have to push the electric bus. RFK, by the way, is totally down with like this alternative power grid. And he just says we're not doing it right. He said if if we hooked it up correctly, it would solve all of our problems. And he name-checked Montana and Texas. I live in Texas. And I drive past these wind farms. And they're a fucking eyesore. I'm sorry. They're an eyesore. Even if they're in um, a relatively remote part of Texas. I like remote beauty. I like it. I like to see sort of, at times, these buttes that rise up out of the landscape and not have a fucking series of windmills on them. Yeah, just throw them in Texas and Montana. Easy for him to say. Just make sure that they're not in his wilderness area, Montana, where he likes to hike and fish and do all those outdoorsy things. KNS! Crimmies in the house. What's happening? Uh, Crossfire cat. My father put his entire faith into Nixon to stop busing. Unfortunately, Nixon could not last through his um, elected term. Nixon was compromised. They got him. They got him. He should never, Nixon should have never have been impeached and then resigned. Should never have done it. Never. Should never have happened. Are you kidding me? Because, because they were listening. They were listening to what was going on at the Watergate Hotel, where, by the way, the Democrats were running a skin game. They were bringing in underage prostitutes for their fucking convention at the Watergate Watergate uh, Hotel, right? It wasn't a convention. It was like a, a meeting, right? It was, and they had them. They had them. And they didn't want that information to get out. You have that, plus you have the Pentagon Papers and Daniel Ellsworth, which supposedly leads to the end of the Vietnam War. And they, they pinned the Pentagon Papers on Nixon. Nixon inherited that fucking war. This full moon is something else. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's hard to sleep on the full moon. It was bright, bright moon last night. Like a giant lamp in the sky. Jake! The goat is here. What's going on, Jake? Good to see you. Saturn girl. What is the show you'll be on later? Um, so what is Nisha's show? What is it called? Does it have a show Tom name named Tom? I know she's probably has a name for the show. And um she has a podcast. It gets transformed into a podcast. Uh, Miss Nakia is here. I waited just for you and Kevin. Hi, Kevin. And Tondar. All right. I think we're set. We got, we got some name checks. We got some content out of the deal. 
the Vietnam War, let me talk a little bit about the Vietnam War, and then we're going to get into uh, the walls tumbling down. So I'm going through and I'm watching a lot of these old newscasts. And they're, when you watch the old newscasts, um, especially from 1968 up through the early 70s, nothing has really fucking changed. Like the same issues are, are the issues that are percolating there a lot of them are still here it's uh, it's amazing you, you think that some of the news that you're watching is contemporary which i tried to show with that one rebroadcast of the news from new york that one night but i'm looking at the the whole paris peace accord stuff and the whole thing was fucking ridiculous just just ridiculous because the North Vietnamese were in charge of everything. They, they wouldn't agree to certain things, right? They had to have kind of this radical liberation front be recognized so they could be a part of the Paris peace talks, right? And the South was vetoing them because they didn't want to recognize them because by recognizing them, they had to recognize that they were a legitimate form of government. So the, the, North, the North Vietnamese ran the whole fucking thing they ran the whole thing um and then you drop down a couple levels and you find the infiltration of the north vietnamese into the south vietnamese in terms of both their military and their government like they had fucking traitors inside their own government there was corruption. There was huge corruption. They were paying their way to garner positions and compromise the South Vietnamese. And then you have the South Vietnamese, and it's a, that's a whole other story, right? They were not really equipped to deal with what was coming at them. And the Americans at that time, and not just the Americans, but also the Australians and the Canadians, they were all selling things to Russia and China, whether it was food, whether it was um, parts for cars that ultimately became parts for the war machine. And that started with North Korea, by the way. Like they were, the, the Chinese and the Russians were buying things from us and those things would wind up in North Korea, just like they wound up in North Vietnam and South Vietnam in the war. And are you, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, why was there not a, just an absolute boycott and sanctions against China and Russia or the Soviet Union? Like, you want to stop the war? You start right there and say, no, we're not selling you anything. Right? You you got, like, the wheat that we're selling you? Yeah, you're it's keeping your populace alive. But then you're reselling that wheat on the open market. And then you're buying other shit and you're sending that shit to North Vietnam. It was happening all the time. We, we, we were in some ways investing in our own demise by supporting the two countries that supported the North Vietnamese should have cut that shit off right away. Boom. And tell Canada and Australia and everybody else say, look, if you don't do this, your shit's getting tariffed, right? Your shit is just going to get tariffed. They didn't do any of that. That was a major mistake. Now, the motivation for the war 
it was manifold. Number one, military industrial complex. They spent what upwards of what like twenty billion dollars in nineteen sixty money on that war. It's a lot of fucking money, twenty billion dollars, and all going all these government contractors, Raytheon, Rand, Donald Douglas, and think of all the all the slush funds, all the dirty money, right? So there's that. Then you have the drug trade, and the French were running the opium for a long time. They're running the opium, bringing it into Marseille, right? Getting Europe hooked on smack. The United States takes over the, the Golden Triangle. Big part of that was drugs. And what happens after the Vietnam War? All this fucking heroin comes into the United States, into the inner cities. And who does it really affect? Well, a lot of it is the black community. Like, this is bad shit, right? So you have the military-industrial complex, you have the drug trade, then you have demoralization. And then you you have to ask yourself, um, because I think I think LBJ was was really a communist. He was a communist at heart, socialist communist. And, you know, he, he, there are phone calls where he's talking, oh, listen, we need a win. I want you guys to go over there and punch a hole. We need a we need a hole punched over there, okay? We need a win here. I'm counting on you. I, I'm gonna have to bring somebody else in if you can't if you can't get it done. I mean, he's saying shit like this on the phone, right? And he's to me, LBJ is he's the he's the ultimate um, sort of warhawk Democrat. Like like Biden is a version of LBJ. Ukraine is a version of Vietnam, and they love war. They love the war. They love what war brings them. It brings them business. It brings them money. It brings them destabilization. And then on the other hand, LBJ is, you know, banging the civil rights drum. You know, he's off, you know, murdering, theoretically, all these Vietnamese, right? But at home, oh, he's he's the John the Baptist of civil fucking rights. The guy was, he was just an absolute nightmare as a president, but he's like, he's like Biden. Biden's the same way, right? We have, instead of the civil rights, we've got, you know, gender rights now, trans rights. It's, it's, it's a version of the sixties. Ukraine's the new Vietnam and, and gender and, and uh, trans rights are the new civil rights. There's nothing there. It's what um, old wine and a new bottle. Maybe maybe a slightly different uh, grape, slightly different fruit involved. But the negotiation process was a nightmare, allowing our enemies to get all these resources and redirect them, either directly or indirectly to the North Vietnamese, was an absolute critical error. But they wanted that to happen. That war could have been over so quickly, right? So I thought about it. How do you how do you end that war? If they had any interest in running the war, because it demoralized the nation, it tore us apart, it helped create the society that we're living in now. SDS, the takeover of college campuses. It all started then. Brilliant. It was brilliant. I mean, if you were a communist, 
if you were, if you were the Russians and the Chinese, this is your heyday, right? You're, you're basically winning the war in the United States, which is a culture war. And you're winning the war in Vietnam. Total win. All right, so this is what I would have done. In a perfect world, this is what I would have done. I would have sat down with the North Vietnamese, or I would have sent them cable or whatever. It's like, look, we're going to meet, and here's your offer. We projected that if this is a long, drawn-out conflict, this is what it's going to cost us. It's what it's going to cost you, but it's what it's, what it's going to cost us. You could fudge on the numbers a little bit. Say, instead of investing in this area, right, here, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a better deal than the Chinese and the Russians. We'll give you a better deal. What does that mean? Well, we're going to give you, we're going to give you money. We're going to give you money. And you, and you tell the South of the Vietnamese the same thing. We're going to give you money. We're going to give, basically give you money not to fight. You can take this money, and if you, if you want to run a communist government, we don't care. There's a line. Here's the line with the North and the South. And you can't cross that line. And if we find that we, you, you cross that line, either directly or indirectly, if we find it out, we're going to vaporize you. That's what we'll do. We'll vaporize you. Make no mistake about it. We won't send any of our boys over there to get wounded, killed, maimed, come back. No. We'll turn the lush jungles of North Vietnam into a fucking desert. You know what we're going to do? And we're going to tell the rest of the world. We're going to be really transparent. We're not going to hide it. It's not going to be covert. We're going to make our offer global. Because if and when we have to do that, everybody will know that you've been warned. That it was on the table and it was your fault. That's how you, that's how you end the fucking war. They're like, really? Oh, you're going to give us, you're going to give us $10 billion? If, if, if $5 billion? Let's say you gave them $5 billion. Say you gave them a billion in 1960 money, that's a shit ton of money. Say you give them a billion, let's say you give the South Vietnamese a billion, make it equal. You're still 18 billion in the clear, right? You saved $18 billion by making that offer. And if they said no, you say there's no negotiating, right? There's no negotiating. If you continue down this path, and, and again, this is all going to be very public and transparent. If you say no to this offer, we're just going to vaporize you. And that's just it, right? And then you, you, you know, whatever the fucking Cold War game is, which is pretty much a joke, you know, you basically um, call their bluff. That's what the movie The Watchman is about, by the way. It's the alternative uh, world where Nixon bombs North Korea, North Vietnam and what happens as a result of that, right? It's kind of an interesting take. It's an interesting movie. I didn't like it at first, but 
but after I saw it on repeated viewings, it was actually really interesting and um, poses some fascinating philosophical questions. That's for sure. Anyway, I've just been spending a lot more time on the Vietnam War. What a just a clusterfuck, man. Total, total clusterfuck. And, I, and, and there was this one uh, news bit where this guy was um, was talking about there was a new general. He's a guy from World War II. Like one of these generals from World War II that had a couple of victories. And World War II was such a different war. Like you couldn't use World War II tactics in Vietnam. There's just no way. No way. I mean, the, the, the theater for war was just so different. So different. In Europe, they actually had fucking roads, right? <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the dominoes. The dominoes that are falling in the war, the, the walls, the tumbling walls. Let's look at... Um, Let's look at Obama. Where is it? I just had this here. Give me a sec. I have to go back to my position. That's what happens when you freeze up with your show. Right here. Here we go. I'm going to pull this out so I can blow it up a bit. All right. And I know you guys have seen this. Oh, that's not what I want. It's close, but not quite. Right there. Okay. All right. So there are some people who say that, well, you uh, tape up your fingers when you golf. That could be true. But what is the, like the random, uh, nature of taping the fingers I, I i don't play golf but again maybe i'm wrong here but i would assume that if you're going to tape your fingers playing golf then you probably tape them together so that you could have uh, a sturdier grip on the stick this is not what's happening here Right. And then why doesn't he just have another bandage here? Because right? again, if you're swinging a stick, you, it, this would theoretically, in some ways, create an imbalance in the grip. Seriously, golfers are, are that um, granular because you, you want to basically reproduce everything with a golf swing. Like your your muscle memory and body mechanics have to be intact and integrated. And if you have 
something like this, it's, I'm telling you, it's imbalanced. And usually what you would have, in my estimation, is that they'd be taped together. And you, those are band, band-aids. That's not tape. They look like band-aids to me. And that's different than, say, athletic tape, in my opinion. Now, you notice, on the other hand, he's got a glove. Well, why doesn't he have two gloves? Most golfers will wear two gloves. Or they'll wear the, the thing with the fingers open, right? But it'll still be a glove. It's so, you know, you get a good grip on the on the uh, the stick with your palms, right? But you still have some finger control. So even that is off, right? One hand is gloved up, the other hand. So what's going on with the other hand? That's what I want to know. And clearly, it looks like somebody gave him a shiner. Now, Tafari Campbell, if you look at him physically, he's kind of thick, right? Like, he's kind of thick. He's, He's muscular. And Obama is, you know, real thin. But he's, he's, he's clearly, clearly got a black eye and you can see the swelling there. And this is not a happy camp, right? Like, I don't know what he's doing, but couldn't he have just waited another week? Did he, did he have to go out and play golf? Was this some kind of therapy? Um, did he, did he have to go out with somebody as some part of some deal? I mean, if you think about it, and I know Obama's got a shit ton of money anyway, but there are people who would pay to play golf with Barack Obama. Seriously. They would pay to play with him. Number one, celebrity is the ex-president. Number two, to curry favor. Whatever you think of him and his current position, Obama is still incredibly powerful. And to get a one-on-one audience with him on the golf course, for some people, it'd be worth, I don't know, $100,000, $200,000. If the investment and the payoff could be in the millions, that's a small, that's a small investment to make. So maybe this was something that he had to do, right? Maybe this was a paid engagement and he couldn't not do it, right? Like the money is probably already in the bank. And once it's in the bank, it's hard to give it back. That's my, that's my thought. I mean, so it's either arrogance and some form of trying to forget what happened or this was a golf date that had already been planned and he couldn't get out of it. And I would say that it's probably financial or maybe he owed somebody a favor. One of the two. That's my, that's my thought. Something happened here. So now we add it up, right? We add up the fact that they said they weren't there, but then they were. His body was hundred feet away from the shore. 
eight feet under. Come on. Supposedly there were people on paddle boards there. Supposedly people went over to see if he was okay. Right. That doesn't add up either. Like that does not add up. If somebody was there and who, and, and he wasn't okay, then what happened? Then what happened? Did they just decide that they were going to put him on the paddleboard and drop him off? I mean, there's all sorts of really weird, high, strange speculation. Now, the other piece is that somebody supposed to, was supposed to have been on the paddleboard with him. So none of this adds up. The 911 call, we looked at this on the Sunday night show with the log. There's no number associated with that call. And supposedly, that call was made two miles outside of the um, Obama mansion. Two miles away. No name, no number associated with it. Who did that? Who made that call? And then the other piece was that they wanted him to be uh, given an autopsy by the D.C. police. Well, of course, you have Muriel Bowser, who's the mayor of D.C., right? Who I think is probably very much an Obama ally and could, you know, run their own kind of coroner operation just like the Clintons did out of, Alabama, out of Arkansas with their absolutely corrupt coroner. So there's all kinds of, again, really weird shit and questions that have not been answered. And nobody on the mainstream media is covering this. They're just going to kind of go, oh, how unfortunate, right? But what's happened since then? Well, guess what? Devin Archer sang like a canary. He sang like a canary. You know, I keep looking for the little bluebird on Twitter, and I have to remember that it's a fucking X now. Uh, let's see. Right here. Right here. So Devin Archer testified yesterday. They were going to arrest him. He's already fucking prison. Devin Archer's provided the last piece of the puzzle. The Republican House, this is from Vernon Jones. I guess he's running for governor of uh, Georgia. Republican House must not worry about the Senate not doing the right thing in convicting President Biden, nor should the House GOP be concerned about the injustice of the Justice Department, the lack of the investigation by the FBI, or the 2024 election results do the right thing. Proceed with the impeachment inquiry. So he's in trouble, right? He is in trouble. Devin Archer basically said that the big guy is Joe Biden. He's, he was in on calls. They were there. 
doing government business. He was vice president of the United States. It's corruption. This is from Miranda Devine. I guess she's from what the New York Post. Uh, the DOJ is trying to arrest Devin Archer just ahead of the bombshell testimony Monday about Joe Biden's involvement in the son Hunter's Ukraine business when he was VP. U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams, issued a menacing letter yesterday telling Judge Abrams to order Archer to go to jail immediately to serve a one-year sentence for his fraud conviction. Didn't happen. He testified. He testified. This is from July 30th. Oh, look, they're golfing. Hunter Biden, this is from um, 23rd of July, put then-VP Dad Joe on the phone with business associates at least two dozen times, ex-partner Devin Archer to testify. He did. He did. They tried to, they tried to jail him up. Got it. He got it out. God, the Southern District of New York is so fucking corrupt. That's this thing is significant, right? So that's this happened. But keep in mind now, this happened in the vacuum, or, or or I'll call it a vacuum of the event at the Obamas. I think Obama is compromised. Like I think, I think he can do things. But something something significant has happened here. And as much as he's been radioactive at times, maybe in the past, um, I feel like like this is super kryptonite. This isn't just your regular standard issue crypt. This is super kryptonite. So you've got that. That happened. Um, again, just days afterwards, the judge basically said, and this is interesting, in terms of the timing, they knew that this stuff with Devin Archer was going to come out. And so Hunter Biden's team said, well, the plea deal is blanket immunity, right? Like, like we'll testify and we'll plead guilty as long as we get blanket immunity for anything, including this. And it was denied. That's on the heels of the whole Obama event. So that's two major strikes against Hunter Biden. And you have to wonder if that would have happened if Obama had not been compromised on some level. I, you may think, well, they don't give a shit. They don't care about Biden. They'll just get Harris in there. I don't really fully agree with that. Then this came out as well, that Ashley Biden finally admitted to the fact that that indeed was her diary. That that was her. And it's weird, right? Because the Ashley Biden diary was considered to be stolen and Project Veritas got a hold of it. And then you have the Hunter Biden laptop, which was left at the, uh, more than one left, left at the laptop repair. What is it with the Biden kids leaving shit behind? It's kind of like they have an unconscious desire 
to be found out. You know, sometimes people do things unconsciously or subconsciously. And they want their absolute worst fears and worst nightmares exposed. So now it's been, now it's official. Yeah, that's her, that's her diary. Because there was, there was a period where it was denied, 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 even though she wanted it back. And supposedly the people that stole it, which I guess was part of the uh, Project Veritas team. I don't think they stole it. They acquired it, which is different. So you start to add these things up and, and these, like, I'm telling you, the wall is going to come down here. And, and I'm not saying that it is a panacea for deliverance. I mean, just like when the Berlin wall came down, it led to other things that became much more problematic in some ways. Like this was its own problem. But once the wall came down, the EU moved forward. And look at look at what's happened. So just keep this in mind, right? Because these things are happening. And Biden has taken on water in a big way. But then what happens as a result of it? Be careful what you wish for. Now, and I'm not saying that that won't turn out high, strange, and weird. Because more than likely, due to the times we're in, it will. But um, in a time where there's unintended consequences, those unintended consequences, I think, can be uh, equally as strange and damaging as the ones that are intended. All right. I wouldn't call it hopium. It's not hopium. I'm just seeing, like, what's going on. And then we're kind of looking into how this thing has unfolded and will continue to unfold in what I would call a very compromised situation at the White House because the global brain has been compromised. And uh, we'll just keep finding out here on this, on this Aquarian full moon. And uh, who knows what else will be exposed. All right. Thanks for being here. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. Uh, True Hemp Science. Got to mention our sponsor, some of the best hemp products that you can get and use for your body. Go to truehempscience.com, type in 15 mins, it's 15 MINS. When you buy $100 a product or more, and you'll get free product. Think about that $150 gives you free shipping, and there's always a 30 day money back guarantee. Truehempscience.com, the one and only sponsor of this show. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. The special guest. You see, I didn't tell you who the guest is. I know who the guest is. And you'll find out tomorrow. And we're going to break down RFK on Jimmy Dore. It'll be fun. All right. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart, two step what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. And uh, take good care. Chatari, you're the best. Bye.